Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, before we start the show, got some uh, words from our great sponsors. You know, NFL playoffs are here, uh, and it's perfect time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the games. Not this year, when the 53rd Super Bowl, that's right, there's been 52 before now. 53rd Super Bowl is right around the corner. Uh, it really is the most wonderful time of the year. So make sure you're ready for daily action by signing up at my bookie. They pay fast when you win. Uh, their ownership really cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. I guarantee it. Uh, nothing more fun for the Super Bowl uh, than doing some of these prop bets. I don't know if you've ever done them before. You can do stuff like over/under on the national anthem length. Uh, you know, first player to catch a pass, all kinds of of stuff like that. Uh, it's really good fun. Uh, just remember, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. If you want to make money during uh, the playoffs, you got to go to my bookie. Trust me, I trust them. You don't, have, you don't have to take my word for it. You check it out yourself. You're going to enjoy using the site. Super easy uh, and all of that. Join now. My bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the playoffs. So just use promo code SHARK25 uh, when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code SHARK25. You'll be helping us out on the show, uh, and you're going to get some great bonuses on my bookie too. So check it out. Uh, my bookie, you play you win, you get paid. It's that simple. And normally, you know, we'd be on to the show right now, but actually we have a second sponsor this week I want to talk to you about. Uh, so let me just tell you, I want to take a second to tell you about our new friends at TixBlitz, the official ticket provider of the Armchair Media Network. Unlike other ticketing providers that sneak in extra fees and unexplained service charges, at TixBlitz, the price you see is the price you pay. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. All you got to do, go to TixBlitz.com and enter promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com, promo code ARMCHAIR. And again, you'll be helping us out on the show and you're going to be able to get tickets for your favorite, whether it's a sporting event, a show, anything, no hidden fees. Tick, ticks, blitz. Guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotion. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get on to the show. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your weekly dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Old Miss Athletics. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Joining me, as always, my co-host John Stefanczyk, back in the states, back on the line with us. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I noticed Land Sharks couldn't produce any content while I was gone, so it was a good. I think thing. we did. We did one, did we not? Or well, how long were you gone for? Only two weeks. If you're only gone for two weeks, then yeah, you're right. the fifteenth is when I left. Yeah, well, there were plans. Plans were made. Plans were postponed at a certain point. What we got? It all runs together. I mean, shit. I'm over there in Germany. I wake up. It's 30 degrees. It's cloudy. It's like, I mean, it was it was like Groundhog Day ten days in a row. You weren't even gone for two full weeks, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault myself too much for that. 
Anyway, plans were so, made. I'll give you the backstory. I'll I'll fill you in before you before you. People are wondering. I'm sure what's well, been a week, a week without an episode. Ole Miss obviously in the top 25 for the first time in a long time. Uh, you know they they lose to LSU at home. Uh, beat Arkansas. Kind of an up and down week there. Uh, LSU's a good team. Not not a huge anything to panic about necessarily. Um, I think what happened was something, whatever was going on scheduling wise, like, okay, let's record after Alabama game. Maybe they can win on the road at Alabama, get some momentum back going to this Iowa state matchup really laid an egg in Tuscaloosa. Um, and we were talking about before the show, it's, it's, it's not the worst loss in the world to have on your, on your resume. Uh, I mean, Kentucky lost to Alabama. Alabama's a good team in their own right. Everybody has bad games, whatever. So you got two league losses. Uh, you see this big game against Iowa State coming up. Uh, we didn't want to necessarily get on Thursday night, which is what we were going to do at one point. Uh, and because it, it was it was hard to say, is it going to be a two and two week? It's very different than a one and three week. Turns out it's the one and three Iowa State game does not go Ole Miss's way. Uh, and here we are, you know, and you're gone for two weeks and you're back. I had another guest lined up for the show tonight, not to give it away, but uh, in the future, I think we will be hearing from him. So. You got Landstrike's classic. Like you said, we couldn't do it without you, John. That's right. That's all there is to it. So do, what do you want to start with? Well, okay. Well, actually, first question, we were we, we were bouncing around pregame. Just a quick, so we have not been on since the uh, conference title games in the NFL. Mm, right. And I just want to know, did that did the ref crew make it out of New Orleans alive? Or are they just adding to the count in the ninth ward? Because what in the hell was that officiating call? I mean, I don't even think it was like a. There's cons- I've seen theories like, oh, they wanted LA to make the Super Bowl TV market, etc. I think it was just the one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it's definitely it's an Occam's Razor t- situation there. Like that kind of conspiracy reminds me of like you know faking the moon landing kind of thing. Like how many people would have to be involved? in the NFL trying to rig a Super Bowl matchup for TV ratings. Like it's just, it's unbel- it's, it's not like a believable conspiracy in any, in any way. Like so, someone would talk, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't orchestrate a strategy like that and, and have it play out on the field in that way. It, it's just incompetence. That's always the explanation for bad officiating, except for, you know, some of the few edge cases like in the NBA, right? There was the, the referee that was, uh, had like a gambling addict. Remember that? Was that like ten, fifteen years ago? And he was, was like Tim Donahue. Was that the yeah, guy's yeah, name? yeah? And he was he was officiating. I think so. I don't remember, but he was officiating games that he had like bet on and stuff. Which I mean, that's kind of a cool story in and of itself. But outside of something like that, which even that is is a more believable explanation. If you told me that it turned out that ref, you know, had bet on the Rams or whatever, that makes more sense than the NFL somehow doing it to monkey with the ratings like that's just i don't know that's that's tinfoil hat for sure but i mean hey we're talking about saints fans here i don't think it's uh it's it's too surprising that well, they might latch on something unrealistic this uh, buried them in the first half didn't and then on first anyway and the pick and overtime we'll get into it saints lost that game about four or five different ways to sure. be frank they really can't um they really can't complain. I mean, well, they they had plenty of opportunities to control. Well, I'm, it's funny. I'm watching the opening night thing on CBS Sports Network here, and they're interviewing Roby Coleman. They just showed the play, and it was like, oh my! And I was like, and my immediate reaction was, oh my god, that it's was even bad. Worse. I mean, the, 
scored like a week later. But hey, they're gonna talk about it forever. I knew as soon as it happened, I was like, this is gonna be the thing Saints fans talk about for a long time. At the same time, you know, I think that part of the hysteria was inherently overblown, especially right after it happened. They just kept showing the camera angle from the sideline. I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. But it looks bad, but there's no way to even tell, like, the depth of the play. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a bad call, but it's one of those things where you slow it down a million times, and it's way it looks way more egregious than it, I'm sure it did in the moment to the ref. Well, th- this one that I just saw was from the far sideline. I haven't ever seen that angle before, and it it's probably the worst-looking angle I've seen. Yeah, anyway, the, the one that I, I usually take issue with is the closed sideline because it's it's like kind of impossible to tell anything. But uh, yeah, I mean we don't need, we don't have to talk about it. But I I am interested to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously Saints fans, the reactions varied from replay the game to you know just put the Saints in. I mean, I would love for there to be like uh, you know in a lot of sports in a tournament situation you would have a third place game. Uh, I would love to watch the Chiefs Saints. That's the matchup I think everybody kind of wanted to see the Super Bowl. You know so that would be fun. Uh, but my, my my real question is, what do you think about you saying okay, start reviewing pass interference calls, and then I, my, at that point it becomes review. Are you, are you reviewing the no calls? Like are you just reviewing every play? Like I feel like that would quickly become a slippery slope. Uh, but I don't know. And what do you think? I don't. I really don't like the idea of you can chat of everything being up for review because I feel like holding, they would go back and find a holding call. I would rather, I would rather if you're going to do that, I would rather just have the technology. Like I'm not saying it's, it's there now, but I think in the future it would be like basically like swimming, you know, like let's track when the ball is where did they, did they grab something or holding the same thing? Like, I, and I want, I want robot umpires in the MLB as well. Like that to me would be so much better, like automatic officiating than humans reviewing every single thing, because that just makes the games last like five hours. Yeah. That's just a good point. What can you do? Uh, Whatever. Yeah. We don't have to talk about it, but we need to talk about it's, it's LA Rams. It's new England Patriots shocker there that, that Tom Brady guy has never uh, been a big game player. Obviously you have a local rooting interest in the Patriots. I mean, uh, how, how electric is that fan base right now? You know, they never, they never get any good things. I'm sure they're, they're pumped about this. They just, um, it's business as usual for them. Sure. I mean, I'm not a Pats fan by any stretch of the imagination. But you aren't but, not a Pats fan, I will say. I mean, I Most people in America are Pats haters. You, you're not in that camp either. I've kind of grown. I, I have come to appreciate just how much better coaching Belichick is than everyone else when you kind of semi-pay attention to it every week in detail. I mean, does he push the limit? Yes. But does he outfox everybody? Yes. I mean, that flat out happens. So do you think with that, with that point in mind, do you think what he does to achieve that level of success, is it similar or different to kind of how Saban does it at Alabama? Cause I don't really uh, think of Saban as a great tactician. I think of more as a program builder, which is not necessarily the same thing as you would have they, in the NFL. Saban, Saban builds a roster, the best 85 man roster. Right. Which is obviously different than how you do it in the NFL with, you know, salary restrictions and all that stuff. Belichick's more of, I mean, he's got the 
but around it. What Belichick does, he takes pro players, says, what are the three things they do well? I'm going to emphasize that. What are the five things he doesn't do well? And then I am going to completely avoid – I'm going to make sure they don't get put in a position where their weaknesses get exposed. He right. does that so damn well with everyone that it's remarkable. I don't think um, anybody else really is at that anywhere near that level in terms of how they utilize, how they um, put their put their personnel in positions to succeed. Mm. Well, there you know, spoken like a true New Englander. What? Here's some uh, tie it together for kind of so Pat's Rams. I realize this. If you're a Rams fan, <clears throat> one of the three out, still out there, you are um, – this is the – I believe it's the 20-year – it's either the 19- or the 20-year anniversary of – well, the 99 Rams won the uh, – so they would have played this in 2000. They beat the Titans in Atlanta. Yeah, I remember that game as a kid. Maybe the first Super Bowl that kind of I remembered. I, yeah. I You know, I, I, I think the, the first one I remember was uh, – was Elway beating the Packers mm. in 90s. That would have been 90s. I remember as a kid thinking the Rams were kind of like, you think of the Patriots now. The Rams were always up there for a time. They were unstoppable there for about three years. Right. Um, yeah. So the Ram, this is where the Rams won their Super Bowl. And then the last time they were in the Super Bowl, they were in it two years later against the Pats. And this is kind of the Pats beating the upsetting the Rams as two touchdown underdogs in uh, the uh, February of '02 was kind of the uh, was the start of it all. So, be interesting if Brady, let's say for whatever reason, wins this game and ends up being his last title, it would be kind of it would bookend it for him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit there. I just cannot get into the Rams for whatever reason. I think I'm. Ca- I think if I had to pick a team, I'd pick the Pats winning just for morale in the office, frankly. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a very narrow uh, reasoning there for you, but fair enough. Uh, I definitely, honestly, not excited at all to watch this game. Not even, I mean, you know, it it seems uh, unlikely that while it's on Sunday night, I won't have the game on, right? I mean, it's the Super Bowl. How do you not? But at the same time, absolutely zero angle in it to me. Um, I guess if I was if if there was if I was looking for something that would make me kind of tune into the game more, it would be the the Rams is beating down the Pats, similar to Clemson versus Bama this year. Uh, but even then, I can't imagine that really because like as the, the national championship game, I was fully prepared to turn it off at halftime. Uh, it just completely sucked me, and I ended up watching the whole thing. Uh, it's just great to see a fan base that you hate so much lose like that. And even with the, the Patriots being the Patriots and being so obnoxious and all the, all the things, whether it's, you know, Tom Brady's relationship with Donald Trump or, you know, uh, just the, the way that they're always winning and it's just so boring and repetitive. I just, I can't find it as an old Miss fan. I think seeing Bama go down like that was just a, a different level of enjoyment that I would get. Out of even the Rams winning this game, but yeah, I would I would like to see the Rams win. I suppose, really, just don't care that much about the game at all. Um, kind of sad because I thought we had a pretty exciting NFL season, uh, and, and two of the teams that were most exciting, the Saints and the Chiefs, uh, you know, lose in the in the in the championship round. So, it is what it is. You know, what are you gonna do? Um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens here in uh, 
little bit less than a week coming up. Who's One, that? Good. It's Maroon 5. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Maroon 5, right? Do they even have any new stuff coming out? I have no idea. It should be like Ariana Grande. Like That should be the halftime they show. Al- they, always get, they always pick these bands like four years too late now. It, it's really yeah. stupid. Yeah, anyway. that's another reason not to care. All right. That's enough. That's we've talked about the Super Bowl far too much. Yeah, and I did at the brief at the top of the show mention Ole Miss basketball. Go ahead. Well, so what do we want to make fun of? Basketball, football recruiting, or do we even want to spend two minutes on baseball? Listen, I don't even. Well, I I don't know about baseball. Like we talked about earlier, I think there's plenty of time yet to uh, to get to that before the season even begins to uh, to formulate here to form. So, uh, they just so started have, practice. Good. I have one baseball comment. Okay. I have said that it, nothing is relevant until the first mm-hmm. weekend of June, mm-hmm. which is probably ultimately how this season gets looked at for Bianco. But just to make this fun, I'm going to try to be a. I'm going to try to like look for every stat to get behind this theory for the whole season. Well, I'm going to predict that they're they're going to be a better pitching staff this year than last year. Yeah, and you were this is something bullpen, you were pitching. Bullpen was bullpen was more named than execution last year. Mm. Starting pitching, Rollison's a hell of a pro talent. He was not Bobby Wall. Well, he wasn't Pomeranz. He wasn't even Bobby Wall. And I don't think he was even Chris Ellis. He was pretty me. good. Um. MacArthur, eh, okay on third starters. Who was it? Feigl. Yeah, Feigl yeah. was either really good or – I mean, they were they, – the talent – I mean, they were talented, but it was – I think they were pretty good. They won a lot of games. He didn't just sit there and say, this is locked down. I feel 100% confident. Bam. So Listen, but you're thinking Etheridge and uh, what, the new kid? If, if Etheridge was like Chris Ellis, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, there's gonna be like a Christian Trent type guy who's gonna quietly get the job done. I mean, and they got this line. This lineup should. I guess the other fun thing we'll have to think through is what player. What player is gonna have a slump the first half of the year that confuses everybody? Mm, Dillard, maybe. I mean, Dillard's uh, getting like some All American picks. I was gonna say Dillard. Um, it's a it's a good lineup. That's a lot. I mean, Kessinger's had his slumps. Um, I think he'll probably be fine to start out. I don't know. I mean, I, I believe in Keenan, but coming off such a hot freshman season, Keenan could definitely have a sophomore slump. Yeah. That's kind of almost predictable. Yeah. And we'll see. And like I said, I don't even want to, <laughs> I don't even want to get into it right now because we have so much time to talk about it. But I, like I've said for a month or two now, I, I think it's a, there's some compelling storylines this season. You're talking yeah, about you're the junior not. year of the number one recruiting class there. It's, I think it should be interesting to watch the very least. Yeah, you're right. All right. We will come back to that. Yeah. Put a pin in that for sure. Um, Cause and, I, yeah. I will enjoy spending 30 minutes just spinning a wheel with this team. Bianco ball, as much as we get driven, but nuts by it sometimes is always actually a reliable product. Get so. some players. Yeah. And, and the, the, the crowd will be there. Um, I, I think we had to talk about the basketball team. Um, you know, they get in the top 25, like I said, go one and one LSU and Arkansas, uh, and then just have you know the roughest week so far of the season, 0-2 at Alabama, Iowa State at home, drop out of the top 25. But we were saying before the show started, uh, a pretty big pivot week right here. Um, you go on the road to Florida on Wednesday. It's, it's, it's Florida. It's going to be a tough place to play, but it's, it's a winnable game for sure. Florida is not 
you know, necessarily lighting it up this season. They'll be looking for a win too. It's not going to be easy at all. But I think if this team has any chance of actually, you know, staying in the tournament conversation, this is a game they have to be able to rally and win on the road. Uh, and then you come back home on Saturday and you, you play state again and state's state's back in the top 25 knocked off Auburn, which I mean, let's be fair. I, I, you know, Auburn is a team that Ole Miss beat handedly and Ole Miss fans celebrated the win at the time, but I don't think it's a stretch to say they were overrated at the time. Uh, and I, I don't really think Auburn is like a, a, a top 25 team by any stretch. So, you know, State's good. They have they have a lot of weaknesses. They're very athletic. I, I don't think that Howland's a good coach, but they'll want some revenge for that game in Starkville. Um, I don't know. I think it all comes down to Ole Miss's health. Um, Schuler's injury has, has been a huge problem during this kind of slump that they're in right now, this one and three stretch. Um, you know, if you were kind of digging into the team below the surface level a little bit, obviously Tyree and Terrence Davis – or what people talk about, Schuler was kind of the guy when you started looking at the stats that was the heart and soul of the team. He had like 35 minutes played a game, um, most on the team. He was running the point, which let Tyree play shooting guard, which he was producing a lot of offense out of. Um, and his, whatever it is, stress, it's not a fracture, but it's like the precursor to a stress fracture. Um, it's It's been a problem. I think it was definitely a problem. Uh, and the loss at Alabama and the, and LSU at home, I think he looked a little better against Iowa State, although I was traveling, wasn't able to watch. But uh, I, I think, you know, they could they could rally and put together some wins. And I think you look back on these losses, there's nothing, there's nothing terrible. You lost an LSU team that I think deserves to be in the top 25. Um, Will Wade is, has put together, the, you know, through – various cheating and and uh payola scams and all that or uh, payola uh strong uh, on that stuff what's that what's that bill armstrong yeah exactly yeah you got the former former old miss uh assistant coach bill armstrong on there what, what i'm trying to say is they have the talent they bought it whatever they're good alabama is is not a bad team they're middle of the pack in the sec probably everybody loses the game on the road and then i think isu iowa state is very good Maybe like, you know, a, a six seed or something. So nothing that's going to kill you in that stretch. But, you know, now you have to you have to turn around, rally. Uh, and like you were saying before, John, what, they're four and two right now. This week you could go anywhere from four and four to six and two. That's a huge swing. I think they got to, I mean, they got to steady the ship this week. I, I really think they need to go to Florida and win. Yeah, I think one and one this week, you're you're fine. Two and zero, oh, I think you're right there, back borderline top twenty five. You'll, you'll you'll get votes at the very least if you beat at Florida and then stayed at home. So, Florida, the Florida games, they can't go and lay an egg in Gainesville. I mean, even if it's a close loss, you gotta you gotta act like you're getting back on track. That's yeah, I, I think I think they need to win. I think I think Wednesday in Gainesville is a important need to win game for for Kermit. I agree. Stop the bleeding. If you do that, you're back on track. And to be fair, they're they're already well ahead of schedule playing over their heads. I mean, coming down to earth, it's no shock. They could easily end up in the NIT and looking before the season, you think that's great. I think people just got their expectations up. The Auburn win, the state win, you know, starting out the way they did in the SEC, but... We were all desperate for something competent to show up, and we all... Yeah, they looked competent in some of those games. 
What's Florida in the net? That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Oh, they're top 20, I think. The Florida's net rating is really good. They're not Florida. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was thinking LSU. I don't know why I was thinking that. Florida, I'd say, is probably top 50. I'm not sure. Let me pull it up. Conferences. You don't need no conferences. Let's see. Let's see. They are 36. Oh, oh, damn. They're Ole Miss at 35. State at 27. LSU is 15. Yeah. Three and five versus net group one. Kentucky's on a roll. Damn, LSU 6-0 in the league? Yeah, yeah. No, LSU is is killing it. That's why, I mean, that, that LSU loss is not going to hurt you. Um, no. Where is where is Alabama in the net? Alabama is at 44. So, like I said, I mean, they're still, they're still a good team on paper. Auburn's uh, 26. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is where this is where the SEC being good helps, regardless of wins or losses. I mean, you're, it, it's helping you a lot. Yep. Yep. Go win this game. Period. It'd be a good good road win. Um, and then I think if you if you win at Florida, uh, like I said, sets up Saturday for what's going to be an emotional game, probably for both teams. I think State's going to be out for out for revenge. I think should be a good crowd. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a big opportunity. State is state looked bad when they played Ole Miss. Uh, they've they've had a couple of uh, WTF moments throughout the season, like losing the opener at South Carolina. But they're still, you know, they're the top twenty five when Ole Miss isn't. They're they're quality, uh, at least in the eyes of most in the country. So hey, it's an opportunity. It's a big opportunity. Um, let me pull up the schedule and see what we got the week after that. Even though. It's kind of hard in the SEC this year to look ahead too much. You get A&M and Georgia the week after. So, conceivably, you could go 3-1 and one the next four games, uh, and that would get you back on track for sure. Yeah. That's probably the better way to look at it is 3-1 and one the next four. They've got to. Which is, I mean, that's a tall, that's a tall task. It's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but A&M's at home, and then you go on the road to Georgia. Those are, those are both winnable, just like at Florida is winnable, but none of them are going to be easy. Um, two and two, you're, you're completely fine. I'd say one and three, you're worried. Oh, and four, very possible. And you're just hardcore in a slump at that point. I think if you go and four, you're probably playing for the NIT with Kentucky and Tennessee left on the schedule. You're not going to, you're going to, it's going to be hard to get to, uh, to nine and nine. But you know, still it's a, it's a good, it's, it's been a good showing for Kermit. You have to hope that he's going to convert these things into, uh, you know, some recruiting momentum and, and get some players. Maybe they never could have gotten at middle Tennessee fingers crossed. And then, you know, we'll see where he goes. But I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think the program's moving in the right direction. Um, and I think next year is going to be really interesting as well, because it still won't be totally his program that he's built, but he's going to keep some really good players like Schuler, Tyree. He's going to have some of his guys like Henson and, and Buffin moving up a year. Um, you're going to lose Bruce Stevens. I don't think it's a huge loss. You get Dominic Olnicek another year. You lose Terrence Davis, which hurts, but at the same time, I think if you're an Ole Miss fan and you've watched Terrence the last four years, he's a great kid. You love him, but he, you know he plays like a dumbass at times. I mean, I'm thinking back to that Alabama game where he fouled out with 16 minutes left, and uh, you know they weren't all his fault. There was some bad officiating going on, but at the same time, there were some dumb, some dumb calls, some dumb things as a senior you, you shouldn't be doing, like getting a technical for, I don't even know what, saying something to the ref or like, that's your third foul in the first half. Just like, I don't know what you're doing, man. Like Kermit definitely left him in there 
to foul out and send a message to him. That's the kind of stuff that I think uh, you won't miss, at least, when, when Terrence is gone. So, you know, you'll miss the athleticism, miss those games where he goes off for 25 or 30, but just I, I just wonder if, if it's going to be as big of a loss as you would think when you look at his stats, if that makes sense, if that's fair to the, to the kid. To this uh, opening night media event. What the hell? And McVeigh's wearing like a tracksuit. This is hilarious. Was it both both teams in Atlanta? Is that what's going on? Well, McVeigh's wearing jeans and like a jacket. Belichick's all yeah. actually looking good in the suit. So I was about to say, is Bel- that seems like a role reversal. Maybe they're doing like a like a satire Body. of each other. Yeah, like all the Pats players have like cut off hoodie sleeves. That's nice. pretty damn funny. This is in Atlanta, I'm guessing, yeah. What are you doing for the Super Bowl? Nothing. Play, taking it easy, man. Maybe maybe I'll cook or something. I don't know. Not not excited. You, you got big uh, big parties up there for the Pats? So Malone and I are meeting up in San Diego this weekend. This is like get warm, warm weather. So it, is, it is, let's see, Dover is like it. That sounds great. Low. Zero, like, three nights in a row this week. No, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. This is going on in Atlanta right now, too. People down here are all freaking out about the possibility of a little snow on the ground tomorrow, a little possible. I don't think it'll happen. I think more than half the time people think that's going to happen here. It it never materializes. But uh, people down here are bracing for the worst. So I'm sure in Atlanta they have a similar panic going on. um, We're getting five to eight inches of snow in the next 24 hours. So. There you go. Bundle up. Buy some bread. It doesn't matter up there, right? I mean, you just you strap in and go go like you would any other day. Yeah, but it's not going to matter. Wednesday night, negative one degree. Thursday, high of thirteen, low of six. Friday, high of twenty three, low of five. Sounds fun. And you and you choose to live there. This is the choice you've made. You, you get the summer. The summer is excellent. You get the summer. Well, we got summers down here too. I'll just say. What you do is you get on a plane, you go to San Diego for the weekend. There you that's go. The- well, that sounds that sounds very fun. Uh, you'll have to have to give us updates next time we talk about. Uh... I'll this weekend in San Diego. The weekend I go. <laughs> still, anyway. that'll be that'll be nicer well, still than Denver. We'll just have to go on a binge tour around San Diego. Yeah, what's the big Cincinnati. what's the big thing you got to do in San Diego? I'm not really familiar with the culture uh, there. Well, the, it's the um, it's your California, although we might not get it, but burritos, and relax. Uh, food, food. Supposed, I mean, it's like anything. You get food. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the USS uh, USS Midway. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, like a battleship or something, huh? Battleship, big Navy town. That's fun. Um, kind of Pensacola's uh, cousin in that sure, regard. Yeah. The, or the Blue Angels are at the other half of the year. Oh, so. there you go. Okay. Well, that's fun. Worthwhile from a Pensacola perspective. Yeah, that'll um, be good. So what are y'all going to do for the game? Uh, see, Malone actually has got a bail Sunday morning. So I'm going to have to come up with some kind of impromptu solution. I'm sure you can find got, something going on. A former uh, former colleague at Goss that lives out in San Diego, he's a... Uh, He's a Pats guy. I may see if he, he's up, if he's what he's doing, if it's convenient. Yeah, it's a good what, call. What the, um, we'll figure something out. You know, I'll say uh, 
We're talking about excited for the Super Bowl. I'm most excited that because of the Super Bowl, the the episode five of True Detective is going to be streaming on Friday instead of having to wait until Sunday. Thanks HBO. So uh, that's that's probably the thing I'm most excited about in regards to the Super Bowl. A little bit of uh, early early content. Uh, is the is the true what is the season three a true season detective? three yeah so did you ever watch any of the other seasons i watched season one i thought sure. it was fantastic mm-hmm. i was told season two totally sucked and never watched it um what's season three like so all right so kind of overview of all the things you just talked about of course season one beloved uh woody harrelson matthew mcconaughey southern gothic louisiana occult murder uh, all, all the kind of the mystery of it, trying to figure out what's going on. Like you said, it was great. Everybody loved it. Really well done. Season two, people hate on it. I, I could, from what you said, sounds like you haven't watched it. Um, I, I think it, it has a lot of uh, cool stuff going on. I think it, it got unfairly kind of dragged over the coals because it wasn't season one. It was doing something completely different. Um, I got a little bit of insight there, or just kind of to give you an idea of what the story was. It was about these towns that exist in California uh, that are like um, exurbs kind of where there's a ton of industry, but nobody really lives there. And so the result is like a huge tax base with no residents and they're extremely corrupt. And uh, the like the managers of the town and the mayor and the aldermen and stuff are all like in on this big scam where they're, you know, defrauding not necessarily defrauding the businesses, but basically living off of these big corporate taxes. And, and it's just all this whole organized crime thing. It, it, there were some cool angles to it, um, but it wasn't about, you know, like a cult murdering children and stuff like that. So it wasn't the vibe of the first season at all. And people hated it. Also something else going on with that was uh, it was kind of rushed by HBO. You know, they wanted to cash in on the success of the first season and Pizzolatto, the, the guy who's a writer, um, that, that is kind of the showrunner and the creator and all that. Uh, I don't think he really had time to do it the way he would have liked to do it. Another reason it suffered. So with season three, they, it took a longer time. There was a question if it was even really going to get made. Uh, and it feels a lot more like season one. Um, it, it also has returned to that kind of Southern dark mystery thing going on. It's, it's set in Arkansas. It was filmed primarily in Fayetteville. Uh, very, very cool visually kind of has like a West Memphis three kind of vibe going on. It was during the eighties and the satanic panic, uh, as when the original story takes place. There's also a storyline in the, in 1990. And there's one like in 2015, uh, and, and, uh, kind of the Matthew McConaughey role somewhat, although it's a very different character as, uh, Mahershala Ali, who's a, who's a very talented actor playing like, uh, a, a Vietnam vet, uh, who has like a lot of, of trauma, I guess, in his past, although it's not really talked about that much, but kind of he's like this tracker hunter type guy that's a detective, and his partner is uh, Stephen Dorff is the actor's name. Kind of looks like a young Billy Bob Thornton. Um, and they're, they're really good. They're really good tandem. Uh, has, some, has some really great other characters in it as well. Uh, the, the parents of the missing kids are, are compelling. Uh, and then... Mahershala Ali's kind of romantic interest slash uh, another character in the universe, the teacher at the school where the kids went. She She's really good as well. And it definitely just has those same season one vibes. So I would say check it out for sure. Um, obviously halfway through right now, no idea if the resolution is going to be satisfying, but 
hopefully, you know, it's going to pay off. Probably my biggest complaint about season one was that the ending kind of petered out. Um, some people liked it, but I think most people felt like it, it opened a lot of loose ends that necessarily get tied up in the end. So kind of hoping that this season they can have a more satisfying resolution. But so far, the at least the, the dark Southern Gothic vibe of, of it has been, has been pretty cool, and it's been well-made as well. The episode last night was pretty good. It's kind of all like a slow buildup at this point. So hoping that on Friday there'll be some, uh, some payoff, some of these storylines when we get to stream early. So I'd say check it out if you got time. Um, it's good. It's good. Good deal. Anything uh, I guess we covered basketball. You said you were going to um, talk about football recruiting, which to me is a crazy proposition. I have no idea how you'd even begin to broach the subject. Well, we're going to look at recruiting. we're going to look at the rivals team rankings. We're just going to okay. You know, All right, we're just going to jump in here. Who do you think number one is? Alabama. See, no, Clemson. Yeah. No, Bama. You're right. Who's two? Is it Clemson? No, they're eighth. Madame. Wow, they're eighth. Oh, they got to close. Uh, number two, uh, Texas. They're three. Okay, they're number, doing well with Herman. Okay, number two, uh, is it Ohio State or no? Ohio State is down twenty first. Jesus, only sixteen commits. Who might? Who might not? Oh, it's Georgia. It's Georgia. Sorry. Yep. How could I forget? So Alabama, Georgia, Texas. Fourth, are we like Michigan, Penn State type team? Who's who's there? They're ninth and tenth. Okay. Fourth, fourth is Oklahoma. Right, sure. Who's A&M's the next SEC fifth. team? A and M, of course. How could I forget? Jimbo, Jimbo and then LSU six. So Orgeron's yeah. bringing in. They kind of the, probably the program that. Where's Florida? Uh, Florida's eleventh. Okay. No, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the one on here, seventh's interesting. Like, you look at this and you say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But then you start thinking about, you know, the nuance here. It is uh, Oregon. So, okay. who is there? Crystal Ball is the second-year coach. Is he, his question is, is he bringing in people to kind of get them back rolling? I'm thinking I'm thinking probably, well, first of all, Crystal Ball is off the saving tree, right? So, I'm sure he knows how to get stuff done. But I'm, I'm thinking also it's been long enough since Oregon was really relevant in any way. I'm sure Phil Knight and those guys are getting kind of antsy. I bet they're, uh, you know, willing to get it done from a booster perspective. Other interesting, Nebraska's 13th. Is Scott Frost actually bringing trust, in some – Trust the process. Tennessee's 14th, probably a little better than I thought Pruitt would do. Yeah, I expected Tennessee to, to, to be up there. Uh, let's see. So, SEC where's, school- uh, where's Where's uh... – Florida State. That's the fan base in turmoil. 15th. So SEC schools, you got Bama 1, Georgia 2, A&M 5, LSU 6, Florida 11, uh, Tennessee 14, Auburn 16, Arkansas 17. Not bad for Chad Morris. That's pretty good. That's good. Carolina 19, uh, Mississippi State twenty third, Ole Miss twenty fourth with eighteen people. That's, and you uh, got to remember, you got to remember that includes Jerry and Ely, who and, until he shows up on campus in the fall, I would never believe that's going to happen. But Ole Miss has got a lower star rate, average star rating than everybody above them. And that's with eighteen, um, yeah, yeah. Who is so Kentucky's thirtieth, Missouri thirty two. I mean, they are what twelfth and. Oh Vanderbilt, so they're eleventh uh-huh. in the 
league. I mean, they've got Ugh. it's it's a disappointing class. I mean, they well, John, of... you got to remember that this the roster is stacked. I mean, they don't really need to replace anybody, so it's it's fine yeah. for them to not. You do know, anything it's interesting. In speaking of stack, so there I've seen multiple mock drafts that have DK Metcalf. Greg Little and AJ Brown, all first rounders. Yeah, I, I think I think Metcalf definitely goes ahead of Brown. I think Met, I mean, was he the most misused player we've seen over? The I don't know. Years? I think he maybe also was a little overrated based on his circus catches and his physical size. Like I, I don't. Wait, I think he's DK good. Being overrated, that's my that's my line. You stole it. I love I love DK. I think him going in the first round is maybe a reach. We'll see. We'll see. I think he's going to be a good player. But I don't know who he reminds me of. Like, I don't know what comp I'm reaching for here. But I just think there's something there where, I don't know. I don't know what it is. He he, he could be kind of a bit of a different T.O. If, like, his P. I think that's possible. Okay. Better. I I hope he has a great career. He's a great kid. Very loyal to Ole Miss. Kind of snake bit by injuries that that weren't necessarily indicative. I don't think of, like, being injury prone. Just kind of unlucky stuff. Um, so Hey, wish him well. I think AJ Brown, hopefully, you know, AJ Brown to me is kind of the Laquan where you, you, you're worried, you're worried that it might not work out, but you really want it to for him. Um, I think AJ Brown is even more of a, a lovable guy than Laquan, maybe uh, less ego than, than Laquan in my opinion, but we'll see. I, I think, I think little's pretty, pretty surefire. He seems like a Larry Tunsil type. Did he decommit? Fine. Is he on here? I think he was flirting. Is he not on there? He, um, do I, am I keep missing him? No, no, no. I think I think he did decommit because the reason was that. Uh, so, so first of all, sorry, you're right. I take back what I said about Ole Miss's rating, including Ely. I, I remember now what happened was, uh, what's his face, Dabo doesn't let you visit Clemson officially if you're committed somewhere else. So I think he decommitted to visit Clemson. This was like three but, weeks ago, maybe, which is embarrassing. Funny. What if he went to Clemson? I don't think – I think – first of all, I don't think any MLB team is going to be willing to pay him first-round money to not – play to, to go play college football because it just backfired on the A's with uh, with what's-his-face from Oklahoma, Kyler Murray. I think that's it's going to be a risk. So I, I don't think it's going to make that's any sense. That's a terrible decision. Kyler Murray – He's too small to play in the NFL. I think he sees Lamar Jackson and he says, you know, you can do it now. Uh, Lamar is bigger than uh, – I look at Lamar as – I mean, I just want to say, I always said – I've been saying for months that Keller Murray was going to spurn the A's and go to the NFL draft. I want some credit for that one. Yeah, well, I just think that's – it's not cool. The kids don't want to play in the MLB. It, it doesn't have the same swag level as the NFL, which is funny. That's, I mean, I blame it on the brain damage. That's interesting because it's a hell of a lot safer. A hell of a lot Lots. safer, and you get guaranteed contracts. You can play for a lot longer. Yeah, you got to do the minor league shit for a bit, but if right. you make it, a hell of a lot better. Even situation. if you're in the minor leagues, though, when you have like a four million dollar signing bonus, like I, I think that can you can you can sleep pretty well on the the pillow of money. Yeah, I would agree with that. But so. you know, whatever. Kids want to do what kids want to do. So, I, yeah, I don't imagine Ely going to college anywhere. But, hey, maybe I'll be wrong. You know, he was just at Ole Miss. He posted a photo, I think, with Luke and uh, Bianco. So, maybe he'll be the next legendary two-sport athlete. Be the next Sinquez. <laughs> oh, man. Rough for that guy. He's out of the league, right? Too many injuries? Uh, yeah, I couldn't get on the field. Sinquez, I mean, 
I think he would have been a legitimately good NFL corner. I mean, maybe not a dominant because it wouldn't. You know, it's only five yeah, nine. But he was. But he, he had great, great ball skills. Super fast. That sucks. What happened to him? Yeah, I mean that's why that's it makes you hate the game. Tony Connor makes you makes you not want to be a fan. It makes you baseball is better in that regard. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, uh, but I mean, so what's your so the, the, those are the team rankings that you that you laid out. The, what, hey, is, what does that make you think? I don't recognize who any of these kids are, which means I. Yeah, because I don't follow it, which is a good thing, frankly. I mean, <laughs> I mean even if you follow it, the big names that Ole Miss has tried to get in on this this cycle have have not worked out. Um, yeah. And we've talked about a lot of them on here. Uh, it just, I don't know. It is what it is. I think Matt Luke's biggest recruiting wins of the off season were, you know, hiring two problematic coordinators that used to be head coaches other places. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out next year. Yeah, I don't even know if you can call those wins. I mean, but of of everything else that happened, those are the 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 wins. Those are the storylines. You know, I think it's a win when you're yeah, talking about replacing enough. Crime Dog McGriff and and questionable Longo. I think they, I think there's I think they're upgrades. Even I mean, if, even if they're not huge wins. On the field, at least. I don't know about the off-the-field stuff. Rod with Matt Corral's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how well is that going to work. I mean, that's... We'll see. I, I You know, I, I'm just not that invested in it. I think, I think no matter what, I will be fine. Uh, honestly, I care more about basketball and baseball teams right now um just from a personal investment standpoint i i have more belief in them i just think almost football right now is way too volatile i don't think you can really as a fan get yourself too worked up about it if you're someone that's trying to look at it reasonably i mean there's like what even without a bowl ban de facto I, you're you're kind of bowl ban. like what do you matt luke's gonna next year go to a bowl that's not independence or liberty, like no, we all know that's not going to happen. So why are you going to get your hopes up? That's kind of how I feel about it. That's the I absolute mean, ceiling. When the Birmingham Bowl is your peak, exactly. Whatever. When that's the that's the most the most optimistic Will Bedwell level fan it would be like seven and five, baby. Like that's that's kind of the, what you're talking about. Seven and five, damn. And the floor, the floor is is what two and ten. Like that's like realistically. Clay, when I was visiting McDermott in Memphis, I mean, Clay and I had a very, we were, I mean, he, we had a very realistic conversation around how two and 10 happens. I'll be honest. I just want to see the fan base after they start 0 and 2 against losing Arkansas and Memphis. Like that's going to be just a shit show. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it would be rough. We talked about it on the show before. I mean, that's, that's Matt Luke's nightmare scenario. Matt Luke's going to go lose in the Liberty Bowl, and it's going to be ugly. To me, Ross Bjork lost that game, but that's just my opinion. You can't don't schedule that freaking game, dude. What are you doing? Well, it's not like you're able to go poach players out of Memphis. Yeah, it so. doesn't you accomplish nothing with this game? What we don't even play them in basketball. This is stupid. It's just it's just stupid. Do we not have them scheduled in basketball? Not this year. It's been a couple years, I think. I don't think it was last year, was it? That was two years ago. Maybe it was last year, but we don't have them this year. Is Pennant Hardaway going to schedule the Rebs? That'd be entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I'd take it now that we're a basketball school. We got to, I want to play Memphis, but 
I don't want to play in the Liberty Bowl ever. So I don't know. I think that's a dumb game to schedule. I don't think it. I don't think the basketball game is worth it, even if you get one. Whatever. Um. Yeah. So that's my my final take on Mount Luke's recruiting, especially this cycle. Is well, you know, first of all, you get what you pay for. You know, it's Matt Luke. What do you What do you really expect? It's fine. Nice guy. Whatever. I don't. I don't think I trust Matt Luke's criteria. I don't have high hopes. Can we call Matt Luke a nice guy when he's? Uh, I think he's a nice guy. Oh, and, the look, players look who, like him. Look who he's hiring for assistance. Well, there. there you go. But at the same time, I don't. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. He's not a uh, politically wanna, correct guy. I, no, actually, never mind. I don't want to go there. Okay. Thank you. Whatever it was. Thank you. Yeah, you would have been like, you would have been like, what the fuck? So we're not gonna do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Um. I'll bring it up after the pod. I want to ask after the pod. Oh though. God! This, yeah, this must be must be something bad. All right. Well, so, what else? Anything else we got to talk about this week, John? I think we pretty much covered the not a ton uh, going on. About it. Shout out to Bob Lynch for making a ghost appearance on Red Cup. We have to pay. We want to pay some respect to kind of the, I guess the original founder of Red Cup, semi competent. Well, I agree with that. What do you what do you reference? What are you referencing? That he article a, he wrote. He, he did an article about how it's concerning that. Yeah. Who the how McIntyre and Rich Rod. Yeah, definitely, definitely respect for that take. Um, and that's to me, that's the kind of thing that Red Cup is supposed to do. That's kind of what it what it originally set well, out to do. Funny, what's funny is the rivals boards like those guys suck, frat frat kids. It's like no, nah, but. No, Bob is definitely at a point in life where I mean he's always had a good perspective on this stuff, but he when he comes in and I mean pretty much everything Bob's written in the past two or three years is spot on with how the whole point of having that site in my opinion is and and you know I think we've credited Red Cup in the past as kind of a spiritual forebear to what we want to do with this podcast at different times, but when you have a fan base as stupid and dominated by groupthink as Ole Miss, I think there's some uh, level of respectability to being able to directly go against what the normal narrative is uh, and kind of speak your own truth to power. And so I definitely respect him for writing that article. And I kind of, like I said, I feel like that's been the spirit of Red Cup since the very beginning. You know, what did they used to say? Changing the culture of Ole Miss, Ole Miss athletics? Like, yeah, that's kind of the thing. It's, it's such a dumbass fan base full of so many terrible people with terrible views uh, that it's good that they still, and Bob specifically, will, will write that kind of stuff when it's absolutely 100% warranted in the case of Rich Rodriguez and uh, Mike McIntyre. So props, definitely. Good good, uh, good shout-out. Cheers cheers to Bob. Jeers to the Ole Miss fan base writ large, especially the Rebel Grove contingency. <laughs> oh, all right, well. What's your Super Bowl prediction? Uh, Pats win, I guess. Not what I necessarily want to see, but that seems the most likely. I mean, you can't kill him. You can't kill Tom Brady. He's unkillable. Pretty much. He's going to win like three more Super Bowls. Every time I say that he's never even going to be back in it, he's going to win one. That's how I feel. How many Rams fans are even going to be in the building? Who I don't know. I don't know. They might, you know, they, they definitely... 
have been there a lot fewer, a lot less than the the Patriots. Maybe that'll help them travel. I don't know. You assume an LA team has some rich fans. Does anybody in LA even care though? That's would be kind of interesting, right? Yeah, uh, man, I saw some depressing like fan reactions from a bar in LA when they won, and nobody gave a shit. It's like ah, that's that's a bummer compared to you know the way Saints fans would have literally thrown themselves off of cliffs and sheer exuberance. Uh, to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were, oh, oh, yep. ouch. Well, just blame the refs, New Orleans. You'll be okay. That'll uh, that'll definitely make it all feel better. I promise. Yep. That's never a Pyrrhic victory. All right. Well, that I guess we'll do it for this week. I think we we pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover. Um, you know, normal stuff we say at the end of the show. If you like the show, rate review us on iTunes, five stars, write a little something nice in there, help other people find the show. We would appreciate it. Uh, of course, check out our great sponsors that you heard about at the top of the show. Uh, my bookie and, and tick splits. Um, we, we appreciate that as well. Um, our website, lanterchapterdark.com. You can find all the old episodes, links, all the kind of relevant social media feeds, all that stuff. I'll get any further into it if you want to find that stuff you can um john i'm glad to have you back man thanks well like i said didn't do anything without you so obviously we had to have you back to get everything done here uh but thank you for making time on this monday i know sometimes uh you know monday can be a, a long day back at work and then to think oh i gotta do the podcast later it can be kind of a drag but hey we did it we did it again we got through another week so it's always uh, a nice little reassurance to say, well, even if I dread it, it's not that hard after all. Um, so thank you for being on the show, man. To all y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, for John, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you again next week. Listen, you're reckless with what you've done to me